Marvel Wednesdays. Every Thursday. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another fantastic edition of We Love Wednesdays every Thursday, this time on Friday, because I'm not going to release this tonight. I'm going to release it tomorrow. So sorry to all you people that actually look forward to listening to us on Thursdays. I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to introduce my buddy, Roberto Gonzalez Jr. I'm Roberto. This is a fantastic retelling of what happened on Wednesday. We're telling it on Thursday and you'll probably hear it on Friday. That's right. That is absolutely correct, Roberto. Thank you. Um, so this week there were plenty of, uh, plenty of books out there. I mean, I, the, the shelf was actually chock full of new books. I mean, we, we had talked about this earlier. We'd said it was a light week. I think it was just a light week for us because it was just stuff that we normally don't pick up. Um, and I, I like to try new things out every week. And this week I tried something new out, but it wasn't anything, uh, by like a new creator or anything like that. Like this week was actually something by Robert Kirkman titled Die, Die, Die. Um, it's Robert Kirkman and Scott Gimple, um, who is the showrunner for The Walking Dead on AMC. Um, the book was actually really good. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, what, was your, what was your book this week that you picked up or looked at that wasn't, uh, you know, a normal pickup, like a number one issue or something that was, that was an oddball issue? uh so okay it's interesting right because this week was full of number ones and number 50s right so yeah. in between the lines uh the stuff that sticks out to me from this week was miss marvel and punisher and there's really good stuff happening there and darth vader uh where where there's some really cool stuff happening with darth vader too uh darth vader number 18 this was like a a new issue for darth vader and there was some interesting stuff um, probably stick to, you know, some of the big guns this week, but I thought those were worth mentioning. I'll be honest, man. I love the Darth Vader book, man. Yeah. Yeah. This week's right. Like you read this week's. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really dope and yeah. it's been hit or miss for me so far, the whole series, but this issue. I just really, I mean, I love the whole series. Like all, I think all 18 issues of this particular run. Right. I yeah. Mean, even the first, even the first one was good because, and, and the thing that, the thing that they're doing with this at Marvel is they're exploring things that you don't get to see in the movies. Um, and I honestly think that what they're doing with the Star Wars books is actually better than what we're getting on film. Pretty particularly this issue like that was the difference for me for this issue this issue i felt like oh now they have way more opportunity to expand the story in a way that'll still fit in with the with the cinematic universe right right you yeah, know it, it was dope it, it's a it's a it's a great series i i encourage anybody who's not reading vader to uh to pick up darth vader um i know they have some trade paperbacks out there that'll that'll get you caught up uh but but what was the uh what's what's the one that's got you most excited this week uh well i'm a, I'm a spider-man fan right so i'm a spider-man fan and i've always been a superman bully right like i'm always like mm -hmm. boo superman and this week both of them had key number one issues turning point for both books with new creators uh should be an exciting moment for both of them and i i think it was exciting for both of them um and it was interesting which side of the fence I turned out for uh, this week in, with those in particular. I'm interested. That? Say what? What side of the fence did you? Uh... Man, so Superman, 
like between oh, the two, so you got turned up for soups. Between the two books, I'm I'm a Bendis fanboy. I love Bendis's writing, but between the two books, um, I really like the direction that Superman's taking, and a lot of the stuff they they set it up nicely in the miniseries, and they're ready to hit the ground running right now with this number one. So yeah, Superman won the battle for me for this week, and you know it pains me to say that. Yeah. Yeah, oh, I know, like, with you being, like, like I mean, I know you're a Marvel head, but Spider-Man's, like, your number one guy at Marvel. I am pro-Spider-Man, anti-Superman, and the storytelling this week, and Spider-Man was good. I'm not, I'm not mad at Spider-Man's book this week. Yo, even, uh, f- even funnier, you're, you're an anti-DC guy, uh, and Superman's your least favorite guy at DC. Yeah, I think he's the least, he's the least interesting to me, for sure. So it's re- this is real. This is really interesting. Like if people knew you, they would understand how interesting this is. But you read the books, and you understand at least Superman from what I've gathered. But Spider Man will probably take some more fleshing out. So what did you like about the Superman book? All right. So Superman. I, so Superman and Spider Man. I'll be honest with you. Like so. So you really liked Superman, and was on the fence about Spider Man. I was kind of on the fence about both of these issues. Believe it or not. I, I don't believe it. You're the optimist between us. Like what is yeah. happening? So, so it wasn't, it wasn't so much that I'm on the, cause I understand what's happening. It's just that both issues were for me, just like, okay, forget everything that's been happening for the last couple of years with these characters and take a look at all the stuff that we're planning on doing. And, and here's all the setup. So you had like a couple of pages of like each piece of the story that they want to weave and tell. Um, so I didn't feel like we had a complete number one issue. I feel like this should, this felt more like a, this felt more like an extended free comic book day release in both cases to me. Okay. okay. Like, you know, like on free comic book day, they usually release like a, a five issue or a five page or a seven page, like, like preview sometimes 12 pages right and and like it gives you a short glimpse of what's to come and i felt like that's what these issues did was it it did that but it gave me 22 pages or or in some in these cases i think they were like 38 um a piece where you got like a full story and then and then the uh amazing spider-man book had a couple of backup stories but um you you, you feel me on that Thanks to the miniseries. Yeah, definitely. Thanks to the miniseries. Uh, this didn't feel like a number one with Superman. And I was okay with that. It felt like a number two. It felt like a really strong number two. And it felt like that miniseries was one massive number one book. Um, because it picks up, right? You know, it picks up where the miniseries left off. So you have some lead in. Um, and it's not like an, it didn't feel like a new writer picking it up or anything like that. It felt like a continuation from the miniseries. It felt like right. a second arc of of this book. Um, and and I was okay with that. But uh, and I feel like it needed that kind of exposition going in. Um, but I, but I liked it. I thought it was strong. Uh, and then uh, there was some twists at the end involving a global uh, a global crisis and. Um, and and yeah, I was I was excited for how they handled DC's mass, you know, mass extinction level events um, because normally I don't like those, but I I like the way they fleshed it out here. Right. Um, for for Superman number one, like there was there was one scene in particular that was just like, look, 
Bendis was rocking. Bendis is rocking it. Like, you know, he's making soups like a, a very relatable character. Like he's an alien, but he's more human with Bendis than he's ever been. Um, but <laughs> there was this one scene where he's like flying through space and like looking for his family and he runs into the dominators, right? That alien race, you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Uh, so he runs into the dominators and you no, know, it was like, it all, it was almost like he, like I could see the script. It, the script was, Hey, Superman runs into the dominators, flies around a lot and defeats them. It's like, Okay, <laughs> and just like drew a bunch of streaks, and then the Dominators were done. And, and I don't know if this is just Bendis playing around with the idea that Soups is like this OP character, right? But but it just felt odd to me. I'm I'm used to him having a little more um, a little more effort with uh, with displaying something like that. I mean, am I am I wrong there, or do you do you think I'm like overthinking that? I no, I I think um, I think that's part of the appeal for Bendis writing Superman for me because Superman is OP. This is why he yes. bores me. So he puts that stuff here. There was a the conversation that he was having with John, right? Um, I the, love the Martian, that conversation. The Martian Manhunter, yeah. And meanwhile, there's these like catastrophes happening around the world and Superman's just like, excuse me. And he's back in an instant. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he's so OP that he's just going and handling that stuff. It's almost like the anime one punch man. Um, and so, so what I think is Brett Bendis is bringing to the table. That's brilliant is yes, he's OP, but that's not the story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the yeah, side. Yeah. Action. Yeah, the beauty the beauty of what Bendis is doing is that he's introducing a ton of shit that Superman just can't punch. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, like and I can't punch like... that shit. So that so you have to really get into the character of of Superman himself and Clark Kent and and that's what makes the story brilliant. I feel like Superman has always been all sizzle and no steak and I feel like that's what Bendis is correcting here. And that's why I like the story. Uh, I know Bendis doesn't, uh, Bendis has a lot of haters for a lot of reasons. All of those reasons I rebel against. And those are things that I actually love about Bendis. So, um, so as, as fans, um, you got, you're going to have to pick your poison, but this is, uh, this is the style of Superman that I would, this is the brand of Superman that I would want by contrast, um, by contrast, Spider-Man I felt like was a roller coaster, um, and not in the, not necessarily in a good way. I felt like there were so many inconsistencies um, that I was bothered by. But first, the things that we liked, right? We talked about the artist. Who was the artist? Uh, the artist was Ryan Otley from Invincible, uh, inked by Cliff uh, Cliff Rathburn, who is also the anchor from Invincible. So the art is very consistent with what you would know from Ryan Otley. I love Invincible. Invincible is one of my favorite books because it's always felt like the most modern day version of Spider-Man possible um, and, and adult and contemporary while it's at it. So I've always loved Invincible. I love his art. I love his style. And I'm happy to have that here in Spider-Man. I think the art was uh, for the most part consistent. Uh, and my problems lied within the story. But what did you think about the art and story? You know, I, I really, 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 really like the artwork because, like you said, Invincible feels like like a Spider-Man book at its core. Um, right. 
and so I've always, and this isn't like a, it, it's not like a dream of mine, but like whenever I read Invincible, I'm always like, yo, this dude would be a dope Spider-Man artist. And for them to actually get him after he's done with Invincible and kind of land him as an artist. I mean, I'm sure there were tons of comic book companies that were out there trying to get this kid um, like to draw their next big book and Marvel landed him. And of course, I mean, like you offer somebody amazing Spider-Man. I mean, who's not going to jump at that, right? Um, so, so for them to get him and actually, it, it to me it was like getting, uh, you know, what's his name there, Jean-Luc Picard. Uh, what's his name? <laughs> uh, Patrick Stewart. It was like getting Patrick Stewart to play Professor X. You know what I mean? Like, it's like all those years you're like watching like, you know, Star Trek The Next Generation commercials because I don't watch Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, but you're watching all these commercials or like previews or maybe you catch an episode here and then you see the student. You're like, yo, you would make a dope Professor X. And all of a sudden he's Professor X in, in the X-Men movie. And you're like, holy shit, that's perfect. Um, and it's the same thing with this. It's like this kid drawing Spider-Man is a perfect fit. All our comic book fans, they they're gonna know what I'm talking about. Any long term, any long time reader of a particular book is gonna know that feeling when their favorite special book. All these books start and end all the time, but when your favorite book comes to an end, it it like your heart sinks as you're reading these final books, right? Like, uh, and that's how I felt about the end of Invincible, like even knowing a year ahead that it was ending in a year, like I dreaded every single month as we came towards that close and Invincible's loss is Spider-Man's gain. So sad for Invincible. And I am sad because I love Invincible, but I love Spider-Man and here he is on Spider-Man. But the story is where my problems were. Um, and, and here's an example of some of the, some of the problems uh, the Kingpin's back. And the Kingpin has a pretty cool, it's a cute plan. It's a cute, his plan is uh, instead of taking Spider-Man head on, he's going to take Spider-Man the indirect route by dividing him from his friends. And um, he does it in a rather simple way. He does it by patting Spider-Man on the back, which is going to make his friends be like, oh yeah, you're friends with Kingpin. You must be an asshole. But he was just living with these guys in Avengers Tower. And he was just fighting all these battles. Like you, you, you know Spider-Man, they know Spider-Man. Just because yeah. Kingpin's just because Kingpin's treating him kindly one day doesn't mean that he's now a dick to your community. And he's like the neighborhood pariah. He's the friendly neighborhood pariah man is what he is now. Thanks to the Kingpin. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it's, it's way too simple. It's kind of a kindergarten plot. Um, well, I'm not entirely sure that the Kingpin's plan is what's dividing him from everybody. I think, I think what, uh, what really did it or really what really sunk in was the broken web phones nah <laughs> I don't even, the broken web i don't even recall broken web phones maybe my mind just like blocked that out but he was recently running uh parker industries and um he webware was basically the apple it was everybody had the iphone except it was peter's phone the webware phone uh and he had like his webware os and uh to stop uh, I don't remember if it was the goblin or whoever it was. Uh, he had to use he had to use the webware. No, I think it was the Scarlet Spider in a really weird story. He had to he had to basically ruin everybody's phone, ruin everybody's OS in order to uh, in order to save the day. And the world got pissed at him because he's Peter Parker. It's basically if like Apple just broke all of their Apple shit. 
You know what even I mean? Even though it was for the better, it, even though it was for the betterment of mankind. No, mankind never really got to hear that story. They just know That's that it's. True, not- I guess. Uh, so, so you're not suggesting that because their cell phone stopped working, that that's why they're pissed at him. Why are they pissed at him then? Well, no, no, no. What I was, I didn't, I didn't realize that I was, I was saying that everybody's like, you know, he's a fraud, you know what I mean? And and I'm not talking about like the, uh, uh yeah. general public. I'm talking about the, the people that know him and know that he's Peter Parker, you know right. what I mean? Like, like he, he's a fraud. Like he, he cheated his way through college by cheating off of one of the biggest villains that he's ever faced, you know what I mean? Like so, so like not everybody knows the Superior Spider-Man story, and I thought that was actually pretty cool, but I also thought it was a reach. Like I mean, like how is this thing like, like we got to figure like there's no science behind this. Like I mean, this this device like knows like if you went to other dimensions and found <laughs> and found a genius version of yourself and, and cheated off them. I was okay with because because we're smart guys. I was okay with how dumb they made that for general audiences. Like they're big. It just put a big like um, how what's the word uh, plagiarized. It put like a big plagiarized <laughs> in big red. Ink. <laughs> it was like plagiarized, and it was like a big rubber stamp. Uh, yeah, it was. It, you know that that was a little silly. That was hit or miss. I see where he's going though, right? Like he Peter's down on his luck, like always, and he's so down on his luck that he's actually roommates with a supervillain, eh, a C list supervillain. Let's just say villain. <laughs> he's- I love that. I love that. That yep. was something that I absolutely loved because I love I love Fred. I love Fred from uh, the Superior Foes of Spider Man. Yeah. And so that whole idea of like having this guy like rooming with Peter Parker and like forget the reasons, because I mean, the reasons just seem weird to me. Like and like he shows up and Pete's like, well, I need the money. (laughs) you know. So why not? But um, but, yeah, no, like just that character alone, I think is going to be a lot of fun, man. So the office office season three started with uh, Jim at another branch, because now that Jim and Pam had kissed, they had to move Jim somewhere else. They gave the audience what they wanted, but now they're too close and it's too easy. So they separated them for a little bit. And to bring it back to contrast with Superman, that's what they've done with Superman and Lois, right? They've separated mm-hmm. them a little bit because Superman belongs with Lois. Clark and Lois, it just sounds right, right? And it sounds right for a reason. They were really smart and they used like historical figure sounding names to actually pair them up so that it sounds like it belongs in history. Right. Right. Like Lewis and Clark. Exactly. So, uh, so now with Spider-Man and this is the thing now that they've done this with the roommate and all his friends hate him and uh, his life is just sucks and he gets fired from the bugle. um, Nothing could be worse. So, so he's down on his luck and then they end the book uh, and, and spoiler alert, (laughs) walk away for 20 seconds if you don't want to hear this but they end the book with the safest choice possible by reuniting him with his old romantic fling mary jane watson who unlike lois and clark i feel like is completely boring it's completely boring it never made sense to me that this dorky nerd gets the supermodel hot ginger that never ever made sense to me on any level but whatever Love is love, whatever. I'm not going to go there, right? Um, But what I will tell you is that unlike Lois and Clark, who make so much sense together, I've enjoyed Peter Parker when he was involved with anyone else romantically. 
We talked uh, a couple of weeks ago about Silk and Peter and Silk. That was such an interesting and fun dynamic. And I wish they continued it. Uh, think about Spider-Man and Black Cat and how much fun that was. And we understand why they didn't continue it, but it was so much fun. And it still feels wrong whenever Black Cat is flirting with Daredevil or whatever, because she, to me, that's Spider-Man's like thing, right? Like Batman and, and Catwoman. Um, and and most recently she was with Bobby, right? Bobby Morse, mm-hmm. um, M- Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, and that was a really interesting dynamic because he's down on his luck. He knew her from work. It made a lot of sense. It was something that a lot of us who are adults can relate to. And now immediately you just take the safe route and put her back with Mary Jane Watson. Uh Maybe that's what did it for me, but there was a lot of up here, but there was a lot of down here for me too. Like, I felt like, uh, I felt like that was something that, you know, like Nick Spencer, it it was obvious to me that he felt like they belong together. Right. Like it it felt to me like that was like his, this is his story. And he wants to tell a story about Peter Parker with Mary Jane. Right. Um, so I can't I can't be mad at that, but at the same time, it's like I, I agree with you, and I and I never really, it was never really about who he was with, right? Like, M whether it's MJ Mockingbird, you know, whoever it is, like it was never about that. It was the dynamic between him and MJ kind of got killed when she found out that he was like Peter Parker Spider Man, so she's in on the secret, um, you know, and she's just kind of a, she's like along for the ride, and she understands why he's late now, and like so like. For me, it's always been about him fucking up his relationships because he's Spider-Man. And and those people not knowing that he's Spidey. You know what I mean? So for me, and I, I hear you and I agree with that. Let's add to that the fact that she's so perfect, right? Like, like Tony loves her. Tony Stark loves her. And she was just working with, you know, Stark Industries doing a bunch of stuff. Um she is so perfect that you that all the down on the luck shit goes out the window. Like, who cares? Who who cares if Luke Cage doesn't think he's cool because he cheated on a test? Like, who gives a shit? He's got this hot redhead who's going to pay all his bills and shit. Like, none of the other sh- It invalidated everything else to me. To me, it invalidated all of the other stuff that he built in that book. Because now something that it does, though, something that it does do, though, right? Um and this is just something like even from back in the day, like before she found out that he was Spider-Man, something that that does is it, it gives to me, it gives the, uh, the everyday person, the everyday dude, a little bit of confidence to think, Hey, you know, I can get the, I can get the hot chick. You know what I mean? I can get the the beautiful woman. I can get, you know, the girl of my dreams just because I'm not like, you know, Brad Pitt shit. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it gives people that confidence, like, it, and it and it says a lot for it, it says not. a lot for MJ. She's not a it shallow not. person. My average listener, I can relate with you. We are very similar, and the problem is we are not fucking Peter Parker. And if we think we are, we're delirious because a lot of my problems in comic books, and this is a whole can of worms, so I'll only go into this in a shallow bit. But not only is he good looking enough. Not only is he a super fucking genius, uh, he also got bit by a radioactive spider. Like they're <laughs> like they have the deck stacked. Uh, the world has the deck stacked against them when it comes to these super 
that we're that we're putting out there. Like, it's not fair. Like why we can't relate to Bruce Wayne, who was born uh, rich and in a culture that favors him or Superman, who was born on another planet or Spider-Man, who just also happens to be a genius. My, my the similar problem that I have with Ironheart. Right. I love Ironheart. She's one of my favorite new characters, but she's a science genius. Right. Just like Miss Marvel's a science genius and just like Miles Morales is on lower levels, science geniuses. Right. Like I, I don't think I don't think it's fair. I think we build up these characters and that's what I like about Peter Parker being back down to earth. But you can't do that and give him the smoking hot redhead at the same time. But we know. So like you just said all that. But I mean, like, here's the thing. We know what Peter Parker is supposed to be. Right. Like for me, like we all know Peter Parker is not supposed to be Tony Stark. Right. Like, so you look at Tony Stark, you look at Peter Parker. They may like if you put them side by side, just a drawing of the two of them. Right. You're like, okay, those are two people that belong on the same level. They're both in like Olympic athlete level uh, physical condition. They're both handsome dudes. uh, And who knows how much money either one of them has, but they look like they belong in the same circle. But you and I both know. If we look at the picture, we're like, oh, well, Peter Parker is the dorky nerd, even though he's not really. And Tony Stark is the billionaire playboy. Right. So we know that just just it's just inferred. Right. And I know that's I know that's a reach. But if we were reading a novelization, the picture of Peter Parker would be way different. I want I want and this would do it for me. Right. Because the fantasy element is the radioactive spider. It -hmm. shouldn't be it shouldn't be a list of things like the radioactive spider. And he's a super genius and he's got the smoking hot redhead. You know what I mean? Um, oh, well, and- oh, well, let's let's circle around and go back to Miles Morales, because yep. there you have all of those things. Right. There you, there you have there you have a Spider-Man that is all of the things that you want them to be. I, I brought That was my point. I agree. Well, so we we agree. <laughs> so this isn't, <laughs> this isn't an argument then. Good. So. Um, uh so that's I mean, that's how we feel about Spider-Man. I'm still I liked it more than I didn't like it. I think it was bound to be a letdown. It was not a letdown of any sort. It could even be better than where Spider-Man was left off on a really, really high note. Like it looks like high quality stuff. I just had some problems with the consistency. But uh, that's Spider-Man and Superman. Um, you were going you had a you had another book. Oh, Die, die, die. Yeah. So you brought up already that it was from Scott Gimple, right? Yeah. Um, I was really curious. Here's what I have to ask you about die, die, die. Um, before you even tell me about it, because they had a weird guerrilla marketing viral approach, right? Like this wasn't solicited like other comic books. I don't even know if you're aware, but this was not solicited like regular books and previews and stuff. This was a surprise pop-up book. Yes, I, I was completely aware of that. You know how? You know how I was aware of that? Because I had no fucking idea it was going to be on the shelf. <laughs> I saw it on the shelf and I was like, what's this beautiful thing? <laughs> and I was like, and I was like, I see Robert Kirkman's name on it. I see Gimple's name on it. And I'm just like, yo, I guess I'm buying this. And and that's what exactly what happened. And it didn't even occur to me, like, you know, that, it wasn't advertised. And then I finally like, you know, was looking at some articles like, cause I was just, I was looking up the history of the book, like, you know, like how did it come to be? And apparently like there were a lot of, uh, 
it was just a lot of thought put behind it. They didn't want any spoilers. They didn't want anybody talking about the book before it came out. They wanted it to be a surprise. And Kirkman's, and in Kirkman's own words, like he just, he just wanted that element of like you know when you were a kid and you went to the comic book store, and you just saw the books that you wanted. Like there was no nobody. Nobody knew shit was coming out. You just go to the bookstore and you see the shit on the shelf and you buy it. And that's exactly what he did. He recreated that feeling for me. I saw it and I was I was completely shocked because I do like I look at things and I look at lists and stuff like that. And I actually saw it on a on a comic list because they get that from like the shipping manifest, right? So I saw it on the comic list, but I didn't think twice and I wasn't even thinking I was gonna buy it until I saw it on the shelf and I saw Kirkman's name on it. Could it be that simple that he wanted you to have that feeling of had no idea this was coming out? I mean, I'm, I can't help it. I'm looking for uh, the deeper meaning of life here. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just very curious. I think it's that simple in a, in an era where, you know, it's spoiled three days before the book comes out that Catwoman is running away from Batman and not getting married. Like in a, in a world like that, like, I mean, like, I think it's very important uh, to protect the integrity of your book. And I think this would, I think that had a lot to do with it too. So um, I think to avoid, to avoid spoilers, to avoid anybody talking about the content of the book, and then also just to surprise readers, to give somebody, to give somebody a gift of something that they had no idea was coming. I think that's uh, number one, it takes balls. And that's something that Kirkman has always had, as you know. Um, and number two, it's just, it was it was a welcome gift. I appreciated it. <laughs> when you say, as you know, you're referring to meeting him way back then when he was just some scrawny dude trying to, like, sell his uh, Pope with a shotgun book. Yeah. <laughs> Battle Pope. Yes. <laughs> yes. You need to read this. And like he just followed us everywhere, man. And, and it was like like it was like that's what i'm talking about that's see that kirkman is this kirkman which is proof that he hasn't he hasn't lost his passion for what he's doing you know what i mean yeah yeah uh so i didn't get a chance to i didn't get a chance to read this yet because i was unaware um until you pointed it out so so how about the book itself man beautiful like the artwork is great um it is hands down like it, it reminded me a lot of uh you know, frank quietly Right. You know, you know who he is? Yeah. Yeah. So it reminded me a lot of Frank Quitely's work uh, mixed with maybe a little uh, Steve Dillon. Um, Definitely. It was, it was it's very good. It's very, very bloody. Uh, lots of lots of guns, lots of lots of like knives and weapons. And it's a it's a book about assassins, man. Like uh, that. And basically what it is, is, uh, you know, the government uh, basically has a like a shadow organization or a secret cabal that, you know, when people are doing things that are harmful or not good for the world, they like, they actually set people out there to like, just kill them, just get them out of the way and stop that shit from happening. And uh, one of the, one of this, this is about a specific Senator and one of her assassins gets captured by, you know, one of the enemy's assassins um, and they send his nose to them and basically like they have 72 hours to to rescue him so the guy that they send after him nathan is uh i guess her top assassin like they never really like get into like oh you're my number one guy but um they do basically like 
allude to him being like you know top dog because he's just like he he reminds me of like just like this uh like maybe a kurt russell you know what i mean yeah like like you you automatically get that that sense that he's the hero of the book um and he's very flippant and fun and and has a lot of like funny one-liners and stuff which i can't wait for you to read because we're going to discuss that shit in full next week um yeah but, but you know that she sends him to 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 rescue her guy and basically um he goes like the way the way the book ends is like he goes to get he goes to get the brother of the guy that got captured out of hiding so that he can help him get get the brother back and it's very much like the scene in rambo where they go to get john rambo from his from his little uh cabin you know what i mean where he's out there surviving and shit it's very much like that you get you get the sense that this dude is like a like a war hero or somebody who's like not to be fucked with and he's like very gruff and very uh very like you know secluded and he's just like he's like you know avoiding contact with anybody um and then finally he comes out and they're like oh i need you to help me get your brother and like that was the end of the book so um like check it out read it I'm going to have to. I mean, you listed some comic book artists who I love. I mean, uh, you said Dylan, right? Uh, yeah. From Preacher. Uh, he yep. did the Punisher run, too. That was pretty good. Uh, and right. and Quietly, who did, uh, I think, most famous for probably All-Star Superman. But uh, I appreciated the new X-Men stuff. He Like, he kind of reinvented uh, the X-Men. Uh, and also We Three, which was a really cool, quirky... Yeah, I love Little. We Three. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, the uh, the the artist's name is Chris Burnham. I don't know what he, I don't know what else he's done. Um, I am definitely gonna look into it though. But I mean, the dude is the dude is on fire in this book. I mean, he does a really good job. Um, yeah. yeah, and it's good shit. Like, there's a lot there's a lot of swearing. There's a lot of violence. There's some violence that doesn't really make sense, and that's where I kind of. You know, I'm looking at I'm looking at Dylan here, like, you know, like for that kind of uh, kinetic action. That's just like you're like, oh, shit, he just stuck a gun through his neck. And it's like that's the type of shit that you would see with, like, you know, Dylan working with Ennis on either Preacher or uh, Punisher. You know what I mean? Yep. And then um, there's also and then the line work and the line quality reminds me of uh, Quietly. So I didn't get to. um I didn't get to flash number 50 yet. Um, and, and I will, um, Have and you been reading flash uh, on and off on and off, mostly because you guys are making me <laughs> uh, yeah, on and off, but because of the, the way DC kind of flipped their model, like a bunch of their books are arriving at number 50 in or around now. Um, but I, I, I want to point out, um, I, I'm not going to pick up a third. I'm not going to really go in on a third book this week, um, not only for the sake of time, but for the sake of like, those are the three big stories, I would say, the ones that we've already kind of covered. Um, so instead, sure. I, I want to point out that uh, X-23 uh, just got a new number one relaunch because they're giving Wolverine his name back. Right. So, so uh, she's no longer the Wolverine. She's X-23 now. Uh, again and uh her book is pretty dope and it's been pretty dope and as somebody who on this show talks about how there's way too many x books um i really like x23 and this new number one uh was really good too uh so x23 i haven't read champions yet 
Uh, but that has been really good. And I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do now uh, with creative talent changing around Marvel uh, with some of their characters. Um, the stuff that they did with Vivian uh, Vision was really good. Um, and the Punisher and Daredevil stuff is really good separately, not the same, not a combo book or a team up uh, because they've been famous for them before. Uh, but their stuff has been really good recently with uh, Kingpin as the mayor of New York and how that's affecting Matt Murdock. Um, but also Darth Vader, I think uh, you and I talked offline about Darth Vader being a really good book. The first run at Marvel was pretty good and it's been just so much better since then because they fleshed out the character. Um, what, what can you add yeah. to that? Um, let's see, for me, uh, I, I definitely want to double down on Flash. Uh, you said you, you you picked up number fifty and haven't read it yet, but I mean, Flash War has been really dope. Um, I'm really liking that, um, and yeah, I mean, like that's really it. I really don't have anything else to add as far as other stuff that I've been reading. I I uh, I picked up a bunch of titles this week. Um, the nine to five has uh, been back in effect, so I haven't really had time to read everything yet. But I will have everything read by, you know, midday tomorrow. And I'll definitely be checking back in with you guys and uh, letting you know what I thought of, you know, the rest of this week's books. Yeah, man. Uh, and before we go, I, I love to throw shout outs at, out at the end. Uh, it's a addition mm -hmm. at the Steambox show that I'm working on with kids. Um, but, uh, but my shout out this week is Cloak and Dagger the young cast that they have on that show is amazing. Um, the show itself is like, how good can the show possibly be? It's on a bootleg Disney channel on formerly Disney family now Freeform, Um, and if it seems like it should be by title and by network, the, the lower end of the Marvel shows, but right now that are active right now, it's my favorite, uh, active. Yo. I think it's pretty dope. And again, the the guy who plays Ty and the and the girl who plays Tandy are amazing. Yeah, I can't agree with you more, man. That that show is fantastic. This last episode was amazing. Um, like just the things that they do, and like I just want to tell you guys why it's amazing. Like the things that they do in this show, buck tradition. Like you don't you don't know what to expect from scene to scene because they always turn it on its ear. Uh, it's like the, nothing is what is nothing is what you would think it is. Well, and can I start with the superficial on that end on a, yeah. on, on a Disney channel on a Disney owned property from Marvel, a, a show about these two kids. The last thing I would expect is this much sex, drugs, rock and roll and cursing. Right. Like the fact that like every once in a while I have to look over at my son, like, Oh shit, they're boning. <laughs> right. Like, like yeah. the show goes hardcore. They don't pull punches. And I love it for that, to be honest. Word. No, I agree. I agree. They do not pull punches. There's uh there is a lot of sex, a lot of drugs, a lot of rock and roll. Um, and like, just like the dirty cops and like, like just, it's everything that you just would not expect. Everything. Um, I love I love the detective. I think she's a fantastic character. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. The clean, um, dirty one, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I can't say enough about about the two young actors that they that they put into this spotlight. 
And it's such a high pressure situation to work on a Marvel show. And they're, they're dope. I know one of the girls popular, the, the girl is popular from, from Disney TV in the first place. Uh, my son recognizes her and other people have mentioned that to me, but my biggest fear is that this is the show that nobody's watching. Right. Like everybody's everybody's going to watch the defenders, which sucked. And then that's going to be their takeaway about Marvel shows. No, watch, watch cloak and dagger. Like this is dope. Yeah. Her name is Olivia Holt. Uh, For those that, for those that don't know, like, and she, yeah, she is like a, she is a former Disney child star. And, uh, you know, she, uh, she does a great job, man. Like she, she does not act like a child star from Disney. Like she, she does, she does bring the the pain of being a teenager um, in today's world, as, as well as being a teenager who's down on their luck in every way possible. Um, you know, it's just uh, it, it's fantastic. It it's very very well done. I thought the boy was carrying the show, um, and I, forgive me for not knowing his name, uh, but I it's thought he was Aubrey. carrying the show. Hold on, I'll, I'll keep talking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get his last name. So I thought he was carrying the show, and then by episode two or three, like she's, she is just as solid, and it, they're, they're perfect. They're perfect together. It's what I wish. I know you appreciated Runaways more than I did. Uh, it's what I wish, like Runaways and so many other shows would be like, like just fearless. You know what I mean? Uh, so anyway, that's that's my shout out. I know I went long on the shout out. Um, but I, I feel yeah, like Aubrey Joseph. say again, it's Aubrey Joseph. Okay. Yeah. He's dope. He's dope. Yeah, Aubrey Joseph and Olivia Holt. Um, yeah, I, I am with you. Originally I was like very, very much so thinking that Aubrey Joseph was like the dude, man. Like I thought he was like really carrying the show. Um, and she's definitely like the cat as the character has grown. I think she is, I think she's grown into her, her comfort zone playing her. Um, and it's, it's just great. And you're right. They are perfect together. And it almost like, cause I like, um, I can't, I can't remember Avita. That's her name. Avita. Uh, the girl that, that is, uh, you know, dating, uh, Tyrone right now. I love her. Yeah. She's dope too. She really is. Yeah. I think she's great. I think the character is great. I think the, the actor is great. That plays her. And these two, Olivia and and Aubrey, are so good together that like I'm just like yo, like they need to be together. We get this, get Avita out of the picture. And it's not that I hate Avita; I fucking love Avita. Yeah, she's dope. I know. And I feel bad for her because I I feel like I feel like there is no way that this show goes on and these two don't get together. And I think they're gonna do that. I think they're gonna do this will they won't they kind of thing. And that's 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 like the spice of of television for me. I so love I, the will they won't they. It was a new episode tonight. Uh, so I am now one episode behind. And as of the last episode, uh, it seems like it seems like the, the triangle is beginning. You know what I mean? It seems yes. like Candy is now on her radar. Uh, so we'll see. Yeah. So well, you and I are definitely going to have to talk tomorrow after we watch this because I'm behind as well because I had to work today. Do you have uh, do you have any last shout outs? Uh, no, that's it, man. I think you covered it all with, especially with Cloak and Dagger, man. I'm glad you brought it up because I love that shit. Yeah. So uh, that, that's about it. We're gonna wrap it up then. I'll see you. Uh, I'll see you next Wednesday on Thursday on Friday. Word. <laughs> now next week we should be able to hit Thursday because uh, I'm off on Wednesday, which means I'll have time to like.
ready to rock. So, uh, so yeah, next week we'll definitely get back together. Hopefully we'll have a couple of the other uh, cast members on the show. Um, and just for everybody's uh, you know, peace of mind, your, uh, your headphones are good, your speakers are good. Uh, Rob and I are actually doing this over the phone using the Anchor app, which is actually really cool. I mean, I know the audio is dropping here and there just a little bit. And it may sound a little funky, but I mean, I think it's amazing that I'm able to do a podcast with my phone. And it's just, I think it's awesome. I got um, no pants on. Say that again? I got no pants on, podcast with no pants. <laughs> I didn't really need to know that, but. Um, Thank you for the yeah, man. So, so hopefully, like you know, there's some groupies out there for for Roberto that actually wanted to know that he didn't have pants on. Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, that's it. Uh, thanks for tuning in and listen. Redbeard Podcast Fridays and Mondays, the Bachelor, the Bachelorette After Party on Mondays after the Bachelorette airs. And we love Wednesdays every Thursday, usually on Thursday, sometimes on Friday. Thanks very much for tuning in. And uh, <laughs> and uh, peace. That's it. All right. See you guys next week.